You're listening to Riverview Church Conversations, a podcast for the spiritually curious. Welcome everyone back to the Riverview Conversations podcast. Hello. Here I am. And there you are, Ryan. Here I am. Here you are. Here we are. What a time. Ready to go. Yeah, pretty H- much. How's it going, Reese? Oh, you know, it's three o'clock and I'm pushing yeah. through the three o'clock slump. Yes, you had your vaccination today as well. I am I am 6G compatible. My <laughs> DNA has been rewritten. Oh, no. Controversial. And what else? All the things. All the conspiracies. I am now Are you hitting your regular three o'clock wall? Yeah. In need of a coffee, hey? Well, I have one next to me. Oh. The International Roast. Oh, is, it's a good one. Is punching me in the you-know-what. <laughs> How's it going besides your, uh, your Oh, injection? other than that, yeah, good, good. Happy to be talking about some interesting things today. Yes, we've got a fun conversation lined up. We thought we this is one that, again, it's kind of just been bubbling away and we thought for a while we'd love to have a conversation around um, this idea of discovering you, uh, learning a little bit more about yourself, being able to identify the way that you're wired, what some of the things you enjoy doing, where you come alive, what kind of environments you know are best for you to spend your working days and your personal like. Just interesting conversation. Mm. So I thought I'd start off by a fun question, Race. Oh. And, and, and this is a way of me discovering you. Discovering and, me. Uh, there was a TV show many, many years ago. And there were many books mm. of them many, many years ago called Animorphs. Oh. And it was a TV show about these people who could morph into an animal. And it was like their, their special skill. Mm. What animal would you morph into if you could? Black Panther. As in... The superhero or an actual Black Panther? No, no, an actual... Or am I, am I morphing into a superhero or am I morphing no, into an animal? No, no, well, that, <laughs> I don't, that's what, I wasn't sure what was happening. Uh, if it was an animal, I'm not morphing... A, not a puma? Well, not a d- puma. are there black ones? No, I, when I was a kid, I, was, I thought, oh, man, that would be the one. You could just go about your business at night and you're lethal and you're, you know, you're like raw energy in cat form. <laughs> I was like, I'd morph into that. That would be your animorph. Yeah, I reckon. I would go... Definitely not going to pick a fish or something that's like... Like I want something that can move in multiple ecosystems, Mm. you know? Like this is the thing, right? I don't really like birds, but I'd probably go like an eagle or something like that. Or seagull. (laughs) They have great lunches, fish and chips. You always end up like losing your leg. Like you get like a piece of plastic wrapped around your leg and you see the one legger just... Not a fun life. That's the thing is, I don't, I don't like the idea of being a bird, but an, an eagle would be like for practicality. Yeah, sake. you'd be the apex of the eagle of the of the bird kingdom. Yeah, and imagine being able to just transform. Uh, sorry, animorph. Excuse me, yeah. <laughs> into a bird, and then you could just fly home. Just soar above it all, you know, on eagle's wings, race above all of the the trials of this world. You're just flying and above the it. Oceans, right? Okay, wow. better not sing on the podcast. <laughs> Might need a sense of that first, uh, know, um, copyright. The first issues. singing interlude that either one of us has done on this podcast. That's it. Now we we we're not here to, as we mentioned, talk about animals. We're here to have a bit of a conversation around uh, this idea of self discovery. Mm. Now it was probably many months ago we had a conversation with some of our uh, young guns, some of our Riverview youth crew, and best we, and brightest. What what did we call that one? It was forever young. I was going to say discovering them. No. <laughs> But we we were um, we spent some time talking about some advice we would give to our younger selves, and um, one of the things I recognised about the advice I would give to a younger self was actually around this idea of learning to kind of 
get to know who you are mm. and the way you're wired and the things that you're passionate about and all of those kind of things. And so what we thought we would do is actually just spend some time talking about that process for for both of us and the process we've gone on in discovering a little bit about ourselves. Um, and we're going to kind of leverage a couple of helpful tools that have taken us on that journey over time. Now, we're no experts in the, those tools, but we'll kind of talk through them and how pretend they're Pretend like we are. We'll, we'll pretend. Yeah. We'll convince you <laughs> that we're, um, yeah, I don't know, we run them ourselves. We don't. Yes. So, Reese, shall we begin? Let's do it. So, where are we beginning? Which well, one do you want to pick first? Well, maybe maybe before we even talk about some of the tools that have been helpful, we talk through the process of yeah. self-discovery. Yes. I don't like that that idea of self-discovery. Okay. It, well, pre, in days gone by, it might have been considered quite new agey. Yes. You know, something to be like, oh, yes. you know, kind of, you know, the, the inward kind of process of um, reflection and mindfulness and all that yep. type of stuff, like in days gone by, at least in kind of Christian circles, has somewhat has potentially been viewed with some skepticism. Yeah. Yeah, can we can we start then by talking about some of that? Because I feel like, I mean, we, this podcast is a Riverview Church podcast. We're followers of Jesus. And I know often there's hesitation, right, when mm. we talk about things like this, that people play the God card and they go, yeah, but like... You're not talking about Jesus. Yeah. This I, transforming work he does. Well, or even the whole like, no, I, God created me a certain way and mm. so I'm not going to be boxed into being a certain personality or mm. I'm not always the same person. And you know what? Yeah. But that's not what we're necessarily suggesting. Mm. What we're kind of suggesting and inviting uh, those who are listening into today, and and I think the journey we've gone Mm. on is that by actually spending the time and taking the time to discover how you're wired, I think you can actually live life more effectively and more Mm. fruitfully, um, knowing the things that actually energize you and the things that drain you, knowing your strengths and your weaknesses. Like all of that for me personally is like an awareness thing Mm. that actually helps you I don't know, live better. Like for me, that's not at odds with the Christian mm, faith. In no. fact, it probably, I don't know, it almost invites you to do that kind of work. Yeah, it's almost like it's not a, a roadmap or laws of the game or something like that, but mm. maybe it's in, it. It's like you, you're heading out on some kind of a journey and you have an understanding that there are certain pitfalls out there, certain ways that you might react to the world around you or behave and certain things that pop up from time to time mm. and you can kind of, potentially be a little more aware of them, mm. whether they're good or whether they're a bit of a challenge for you. I mean, I think about that. I think that's probably been the most ho- helpful thing overall for me when discovering me, kind of looking through the different personality kind of profiles and testing and that type of stuff. That's been the stuff where I'm like, oh, that's why I, maybe that's why I do that. Oh, wow. Mm. You know? mm. Mm. So um, so when did, when did, for you, when did that journey kind of begin? Like, Do you feel like there was a certain age where you began to, not just respond to situations or, or do things a certain way, but you began to reflect on the way that you responded to certain situations. Well, I think I wasn't really kind of super conscious of it. I was almost kind of operating on instinct mm. um, up until maybe like my late teens or kind of around the 20 mark when there was a couple in our church who we were kind of friendly with. They were big on the Myers-Briggs, the MBTI. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they were talking about these four-letter combinations and I was quite <laughs> fascinated by it. We would sit like a around. Safe code. Or yeah, something we'd like that. sit around on Sunday nights, just kind of almost trying to, almost self-diagnose one another. Mm. Um, of course, I was way off, but that was kind of where I was like, "Oh wow, there's kind of a way 
that I might be able to, there's something, there's a, almost like a tool or something yes. that might help me understand myself or the way that um, I relate to the world around me. And, and so it kind of, um, that was when I was first aware of it, but I probably didn't dig into it until kind of like the last 10 years. Mm. The last 10 years when life, when the stakes of life kind of grow and you find yourself married or in a long-term relationship and maybe with kind of bits and pieces of your life that require some yeah. attention, yeah. you know. They yeah. require you to work on yourself because potentially if you just follow your nose, you might end up unwittingly, uh, it might be detrimental to your, mm. to your situation. Mm. Yeah, I feel like uh, personally for me it's that I think it's in the latter year, probably maybe your early to mid-20s where you begin to realize your normal tendencies in life, mm. whether that's for certain social interactions or certain fears or insecurities mm. you have about certain things. But I, I feel like it's kind of around that point that you start to discover for yourself the things that that make you tick mm. or the things that um, annoy you or the things that you're strong at. Um, and then I think it's it's how willing are you to actually dive into those things. And like one of the things I've found so helpful right throughout these, and we'll talk about the four tools um, really soon, but with some of them actually looking at the way they um, have implications on your relationship. Mm. So, you know, Renee and I have been married for a number of years now and and one of the things that's been so helpful for us is actually leveraging these kind of tools as talking points, as mm. conversation starters, mm. as things for us to go, oh, wow, uh, there's other people in the world that who are similar to us mm. that maybe experience life the same way and are dealing with the same challenge that we keep facing because... Yeah. Um, you prefer this and I prefer that and, mm. you know, that, that creates some, some tension. Like, uh, I, I think it's also if you do the work and potentially maybe do some tests or commit to the, the process of self-discovery, it's, it, it, it's almost like a pressure valve a little bit because mm. I, even if I think about myself, I would, if I would find something really difficult in life or I would behave in a certain way or um, conduct myself in a certain way mm. that maybe I wasn't proud of or I knew I could get better at. I would just try and grind that thing out. Yeah, yeah. Rather than actually kind of giving myself a bit of slack and going, hang on, this is this is just kind of how I am. Mm. That's not to say that that's a pass mark for bad behavior or yes, for yeah, yeah. or for just kind of being grumpy all the time or something. But to be like, oh, there's a yeah, reason yeah. why maybe and maybe there's some work to be done. But maybe it's also I'm trying to swim upstream on this one and maybe mm. there's an alternative kind of little mm. river that I could swim up that might be just yeah. a little more of a natural fit for me, you know. Mm. And I think that's interesting you say that because I think, you know, with these kind of tools and with this idea of discovering yourself, you can be on either extreme. You mm. can be on the extreme that's like, don't box me in. Mm. Or you can be on the other extreme where it's like, well, that's just who I am. Yeah, I'm not willing to do anything with it. But I think the invitation we all have on this journey of discovering you is really to actually leverage mm. what's there to live life in a more fruitful and healthy and beneficial mm. way for you and the people around you. Mm. Um, and I think like you said earlier, Reese, it's like through these things, it actually allows you to understand the way that you see the world and the way mm. that you interact with the world. And so that's kind of what we'll dive into. So should we we kind of just work our way through yeah. some of these? I've got, we've got paper in front of us. We've got our laptops. We're, we're armed and all, ready. All the stuff. Now, the four different tools that we're going to talk a little bit about today. And, and I feel like the way that might be helpful for us to do this is we kind of just talk about the four tools first and then we dive into each one. Mm. And what we yeah. do is we share what we've learned from those ones, maybe, you know, our own personality types or what mm. we scored, so to speak, on those ones. <laughs> scored highly. Um, 
And then, yeah, maybe just give our reflections on that. Because yeah, yeah, some good. are maybe more helpful than others in certain areas of life. So the four different tools we are going to kind of talk through a little bit today. Uh, the first one is, as Reese has already mentioned, is the Myers-Briggs Type Indicator, mm. also known as MBTI. Probably the most well-known of yeah. the ones that we're, we're going to... Yeah, okay. I'd say so. And and um, you would have heard it before, different personality types with a four-letter kind of indicator. And that that really is your your type. So there's 16 different personality types. Um, so 16 different combinations. And uh, we'll kind of dig into that a little bit later on. Uh, the next one is Enneagram. Wow. Uh, this is... Uh, it's I quite get, popular these days, yeah, isn't it, is, it? It's kind of like the in... The in thing at the moment, the Enneagram. Mm. And the Enneagram is, there's nine different types. And again, these are, I guess you would talk about them to do with like dominant personality. Yeah. Uh, but but some of this is, some of the Enneagram stuff is faith-driven. So a lot of it resides around um, some of the shadow side of your personality. So the things that you actually avoid um, and, you know, try and not deal with. Um, I'm, look, I'm butchering the explanation on all these. But with the, the Enneagram type, there's there's nine different types. You would often have one dominant type with a potential wing. Um, so a thing that sits on either mm. side across those nines of the personality type you are. Um, and so, again, we'll dig into that a little bit later. Yes. Reese, what are the other two? Yeah. We have the... I'm probably going to butcher this one as well, but That's it's okay. commonly known as the Gallup Strength Finders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's also kind of known as Clifton Strengths. Yeah, I think Gallup oh. is the company that holds Clifton's strengths. Yes, yes. Uh, another fairly known, well-known. One, yeah, right? so that's that, that's like an assessment uh, uh, that you fill out, and you kind of um, depending on which level of assessment you purchase. Yes. Uh, they can give you a profile of of based on your answers, um, your, your top five. Or more of yep. of thirty four different themes yep. of strengths, and, yes, uh, and all of the kind of the things that come along with that. Yeah. So with the strengths finder, those themes are broken up into different types: as executing, influencing, mm. relationship building, or strategic thinking. And so essentially, this is probably less to do with your personality and your common. Um, I don't know, the things that you lean more towards, this is actually the things that you, you maybe are good at or find yourself doing a lot of. Mm. Um, I found this helpful simply because I also, I purchased the full lot and so oh, it shows so you got your weaknesses. <laughs> what's your best yeah, and what's your worst? <laughs> um, it's not pretty. But they probably but, don't like put it as your weakness. They're probably like, this is your top, this is your number 34 strength. <laughs> yeah, that's right, that's right. Which I know what that is. Um <laughs> Anyway, so that is the that's the number three, third and then tool. the the fourth one, which is one that we've only just yeah, it's dipped kind of our toes into, um, which is known as the working genius yeah, or the six types of working genius. Mm. And the whole idea behind that is um, discovering the gifts that you bring to work. So there are six types of working genius. Two of those six types are things that come supernaturally to you, and potentially you're good at them, and they give you energy and joy. Two of those, uh, and then they're known as working genius. Two of them are areas where you are kind of neither natural or they they kind of mm. don't energize you or drain you, and you're not particularly good at either of them. But you can kind of you can function in those areas. And then uh, two are what's known as working frustration. So those are two areas that um, that you don't derive any great joy from or energy, and they're potentially kind of yeah not. And so the, I guess the idea with that as well is we, you know, Reese, you and I could have the same personality type. We could have the same Enneagram. 
but we have very different working genius. Mm. And so we work on the same things, but we find ourselves approaching that or being frustrated by that Absolutely, in very yeah. different ways. Yeah. And so this is probably more to do with, yeah, your your work-based stuff than it is to do with relationships or, or things like that. Yeah, and I suppose to circle back around to um, the criticisms of personality testing and kind of all of that type of stuff is don't box me in. I'm not this, I'm not that. Yeah. And and that's probably quite right because you can you can be the same as another person but still be different. And so the point being, these are tools for you yeah. to use, yeah. Yeah. not um, names that you've been given as it were. So yeah, it's yeah. like yeah. you are an ENFP, you know, then that is you for life. No, it's like it's a place to start. It's a place to tr- yeah. To, to, to dip your toe in the water and, and gain understanding. And so I think if you approach them all in that way and if you do multiples of them, then you start to get a more nuanced picture mm. of, of how you might be shaped. Mm. Now, before we dive more specifically into them and talk about even some of the, the what we've kind of scored on these different – scored is, a, is an unusual way to say it, but what mm. we've – I don't know. <laughs> well, our results. Yeah, your our results, results, yeah. Your yeah, report. Yeah. Um, it's probably worth just mentioning that a lot of these are paid kind of mm. tests – um, I honestly think that some of the best investment that you can make is in yourself and discovering yourself. And so I think it's worthwhile. Uh, but most of them, I don't know if we're allowed to say it on here, but most of them do have some sort of free test online somewhere. Yeah, you so, could do like the, the free version. It's like you yeah, yeah. answer 10 quick questions and they're like, you are this. Yeah, yeah. Potentially. So a little just more beware. skeptical yeah, of those yeah, be, results. Beware of the free ones. They're free for a reason. You might want to so. do you might want to do the test a few times to see if it <laughs> yeah, averages that's, that's out. Right. It's like doing the, you know, the Facebook tests where it's like, oh, which yeah. friends character am I? It's like, oh no. We should have added that on I'm here. definitely Ross. Yeah. I think I'm Chandler. Oh, yeah. I had a realization <laughs> that Nah, anyway. <laughs> I didn't like that I that. A, that Renee a, just says to me, like, oh, you're definitely Chandler. And I'm like, oh. So I was a bit sad. I'm, I'm not too disappointed about being Ross because even though I kind of bring the kind of that kind of Rossiness <laughs> to things, Ross has the best storyline. So I'm like, yeah, sweet. I'll Fair be. Play. That's, that's my answer. So we've discovered us now through Friends Garage. <laughs> glad we covered that. Uh, all right, let's, let's dive into Myers Briggs. Um, the. 16 different personality types. I might just start by explaining. So mm. those different 16 personality types are made up of four different scales, which is the four letters you get. So the first letter in that kind of scale is either an E or an I, which is extroversion or introversion. And of course, all of this, um, all of these personalities are scored on your dominant preference. So it's not necessarily, you could do either. You could be an introvert, you could be an extrovert, but what is like your right hand or your preferred hand, excuse mm. me, because some people are left-handed, hey. your, preferred, <laughs> your preferred hand tendency. What is it that you would revert to do? Maybe when you're feeling a bit tired or exhausted, what's the thing that you would go and, and do just naturally? And it's so, also on a spectrum, right? It's not it like is. you are... Yep. Hard left, hard right. It's yep. you can be somewhere in the middle or there's, right. Yeah, there's a scale. You can you can answer right yep. in the middle. Jesus was right in the middle. Of course he was. Yes. <laughs> okay, so the first one is an E or an I. Uh, it's extroversion or introversion. The second letter is sensing or intuition, which is an S or an N. Uh, the third one is thinking or feeling, a T mm-hmm. or an F. So you know what? Again, what's your dominant preference? Is it? to use your your logic or is it to use your your feeling? Um, and then the last is judging or perceiving, a J or a P. And, uh, Which is so, more commonly known as do you live in chaos or are you very structured? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's lots of, I mean, if you're interested, you can jump online and, and kind of dive into them because there's lots of good explanations for, you know, which you might be. Mm. Would encourage you before you dive too deep into it is actually taking the test if yeah. you haven't done it because mm. you kind of want to do that before you start um, already deciding on what you think you Otherwise are. you can self-diagnose. That's right. For the longest time, I thought that I was totally an E, an, an extrovert. Mm. 100% I would have like put good money on that, but… Turns out I'm not. Mm. There you go. So, Reese, tell us, tell us your. So, uh, there's 16 different personality types. What, what's your personality? My personality type, type is drum roll, please. <laughs> sound design. Uh, INTP. So here's the little blurb I-N-T-P. I've got. In, yeah, this is the blurb in front of me. It says the theme of the INTP is designing, not just in the artistic sense, but in the sense of the precise arrangement of all the elements necessary for objective understanding of that part of the world that interests them. While many INTPs are drawn to science and math, the designing can be in many other realms, and they usually turn to be superb strategists in what endeavor they take on. Wow. I never would have thought that I was an INTP. I totally would have thought I was an E, maybe an N, because I... Correct me if I'm wrong, That the difference between the E and the S is is like... How you make sense of the, the world, N kind and of. The S, the, yeah, so the N and the S. Yes. Yes, I believe so. It's uh, sometimes to do with the way that you would approach a situation. Mm. Do you approach it with maybe more big picture thinking, mm. and then you you work with the big picture, and then you sort out the details last, or do you start with the detailed part mm. and then work towards? Yeah, them? I definitely would have assumed that I was an E and a feeler, not a thinker. But nevertheless, mm. INTP, having done the test multiple times, is what what I come out as. So there, there I go. There you go. Yeah. So what do you feel like you've learned from the Myers-Briggs? I think the, the biggest thing I've learned is kind of most around, mostly around kind of like the stresses in life. Yeah. I okay. think that was where I kind of made sense of a whole bunch of that stuff in terms of, um, I mean, not so much in terms of like skills and whatnot, but I found that when I was, un- if I looked at the way that an INTP kind of acts out when they have, how they b- respond to really stressful situations mm. that push the buttons in a certain way, I was like, Oh, that makes an awful lot of yeah, sense. Yeah, that, yeah. that was like a revelation for me. I was like, mm. so that's why. Mm. And um, and that was kind of where I started to potentially kind of um, do a bit of the personal work. And the other stuff is kind of e- even now. I think that's the thing I, ref- I I circle back around to the most. Yeah, I'm like, oh, it's because that's right. I'm I'm th- these things are happening for me, and I'm responding a certain way because I'm super stressed mm. or because this situation is happening in this way. So that's probably the thing that I come around to the most, you know. Mm. Mm. So my personality type is an ENFP, wow. which is kind of a classic annoying person one. Oh, <laughs> no, I wouldn't go that no, far. No offense to any other ENFPs yeah. out there. Um, I, it's a, is that a classic gaggler? No, actually, I oh, think I'm not. the only one. Really? I'm the only gaggler yeah. with an ENFP. Um, so it says these people tend to embrace big ideas and actions that reflect their sense of hope and goodwill towards others. Mm. Um, one of the the kind of characteristics given to them is like a campaigner. So they yeah, like right, going yeah. ahead, being open-minded, mm. inventive, creative, um, usually enthusiastic. Mm. Uh, but it's been probably helpful to kind of dive into that because I think it's not necessarily even that it it tells you what you're like or how you're going to respond, but it gives you language to the kind of behaviors that you mm. find yourself repeating. So uh, a classic uh, famous ENFP, if you're a fan of The Office, is Michael Scott. <laughs> and so he, 
he's a lot of fun, but he struggles to get any work done. Yeah, wow. Because he gets sidetracked and distracted <laughs> by menial things and wanting to please people and Look, all of that kind of. To be fair to him, he has a film crew following him around. He it's does. Totally dull job. So he does. I, I would probably struggle too. He does. But but what I've probably learned about uh, being an ENFP is a lot of the challenges I have is is I'm great when I'm on task and enthusiastic, mm. but I get bored of things very quickly because yeah, right. I like being on the 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 next thing. So uh, I'm an extrovert. I'm not hugely extroverted compared on the scale. Um, my on the scale, my intuition, the N is quite strong. My thinking and feeling is almost right down the middle. So mm. I'm slightly more feeling than thinking, but not much. Um, and then the P to J scale, um, my perceiving is like really high. So I'm, I like love chaos, especially if I'm creating it. <laughs> <laughs> but other people's chaos. Maybe that's just me being the youngest of brothers as well and yeah, kind of you know, causing a ruckus. If you are the youngest in a family of energetic boys, it's mm. just... But I, I feel it, like it pays to go with the flow. Well, that's right. That's right. You got to be the campaigner. You got to yeah. kind of sort your way out mm. in the world. And so, like, I feel like I've learned a lot about myself that I, I often find myself pursuing the fun, the joyful thing, mm. and avoiding the difficult thing as yeah, much right. as possible. And so, I really enjoy pioneering and inventing and and mm. beginning things. But I don't like the process of, um, you know, actually. Completing stuff, yeah, yeah, which is, which can be a real challenge. Mm. But it's been interesting, even for for Renee and I, even with our marriage and in knowing each other's personality types and our, our dominant kind of um, tendencies towards mm. things, and and recognizing that. So she's she's quite a strong S. So her she's a sensor. I I use intuition. So I work big picture towards details. She works details towards big picture. And so it's interesting, like when we're planning a holiday, for example. I'm like mapping out. Here's the places I'm keen to go. It's gonna be. She's great. wanting to get all the other detailed stuff sorted. So like, you're like, we'll figure it out. Just yeah, yeah. I'm the like visionary. Let's like, not, yeah, let's not make an itinerary. Yeah, yet. let me sell you on these places. Yeah. <laughs> but she's like, yeah, but what? Like, give me the details. What are we do? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to be tied down. Yeah, don't box me in. So like, I feel like all of that stuff is actually just helpful. And and the mm. Myers Briggs I think is helpful for both work life because there's a lot of things that obviously interact with the way that you work with others, whether that's managing, being managed, but also relationships with yeah. family, with kids, with spouses. Um, I feel like there's just a lot of helpful learning. I know when if you do a quite a comprehensive Myers-Briggs as well, it'll mm. give you an idea of things like blind spots and yeah. all of those kind the of things. The free one which, definitely doesn't give you no, all of that. No, mm. no. It's, uh, I think um, the blind spot, the, the the characteristics and the implications which we currently have in front of us, that that is super helpful because mm. you can be like, oh, this is why, but we'll look out for that. Mm. So, for example, like one of mine in the INTP under the heading attitude says, the basic attitude of INTPs is one of skepticism. Mm. While they're open to new ideas, they're skeptical of their validity until logically proven otherwise. And I'm like, yeah, okay, sure, yeah, that, mm. that kind of works. But, but then... I can come across as being just like skeptical of everything. Mm. Mm. So it's it's yeah, important yeah. to kind of, you know, be aware of almost like the other side of the coin of yep. all of the things that come out of the profile. Yeah, well, and, and I think that's interesting to note, right? Because so, for example, within our generations team, uh, pretty much all of our team have done Myers-Briggs and Strength Finder and Enneagram. So I know all of the people in my team. I know some of those kind of personality profiles. And I also know them as people too, which mm. is – 
helpful, of course, but I feel like those kind of things actually help you work better because when I'm getting frustrated about a certain thing, it's actually helpful to be able to give articulation to it. So for example, Reese, you and I work together quite a bit. We work on this podcast. I'm always coming up with random ideas and you're normal approach, like you said, or your dominant approach mm. is, is maybe one of skepticism and cynicism. Now, I don't think we have many issues mm. when we're coming up with ideas, but if I found that constantly being a thing, it helps give me language to articulate what's happening there. You know, mm. like why is it that I feel like I'm getting frustrated because Reese is, you know, and and can I, should I be annoyed at him because he's mm. purposely targeting me? Or is that just mm. like his wiring is actually to firstly approach a situation mm. with, um, an ele- element of wanting to bring like logic and, yeah. and rational thinking to it. And I'm just out with the fairies going, oh, look at these <laughs> unrealistic ideas. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it, it can be, it's hard to keep track of one another though. So it's kind of like, yeah, it's almost yeah. like you kind of, you can't keep a list of like, oh, this person's this, so this is why they do that. But, we should um, all get tattoos on our, yeah. on our arms. And- <laughs> yeah. I mean, it can be it's certainly helpful. Like, I mean, I think when we kind of get into the strength finder stuff as well, that can be mm. certainly helpful. Like if you're part of yes. a team, kind of you can almost and maybe if you're leading a team you can kind of have a profile mm. of where everyone's at but but the reality is is that at any given moment you're not going to have another person's personality profile in front of you yes you yeah, almost just have very, to kind of it's very it, true. it doesn't do away with relationship building no you still have the person in front of you and you have to relate to them in a yep. way that kind of is constructive and yep. so yep. yeah but look if you're if you're a manager or you're um you, you are responsible for you're an upline to people like some of this stuff is really helpful even mm. for working because it it can help you manage your team better because you get an understanding of what actually is helpful for them. So one of the things for me as an ENFP is I hate being micromanaged. Yeah, right. Like I cannot because I it's kind of this open-minded thing. You want to be working on big ideas, inventing. The last thing like I really struggle under restrictive kind of direction and leadership. Have you done this yet? Have you done that yet? Why have yeah, you done like, this yet? And, and it actually just makes me not firstly not be happy in what I'm doing but also really struggle to actually get anything done mm. like having the margin and the freedom to create and, yeah. and do stuff differently and so like I've learned things like that about myself because I've managed people like myself <laughs> and I'm like oh okay I can't do that but also you, you know you've learned over time yeah what you what you work with well and what you yeah. don't all right. Enneagram, Reese. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. I find Enneagram almost quite hard to kind of grasp Yes. Like it makes sense to me when I look at almost my profile, but to explain it to another is quite, I find it quite hard to do. Mm. It's almost like one of those things that's like you kind of have to do it to kind of get it a little bit. Yep. But that being said, I probably know the least about the the types other than my own type. Yep. So shall um, we, shall I try and yeah, see if explain you can it g- a little bit? Give, a, give us a little explainer to see if we can uh, bring clarity. All right. Well, let's, let's give it a go. So uh, essentially, as we mentioned earlier, the, the Enneagram is like a nine different Enneagram type thing. And it, it's like a weird little triangly star thing. Um, now, th- one of the best books I've read on this is actually by Richard Raw, And it's called, uh, it's essentially a Christian perspective on Enneagram times. Mm. It's actually really fascinating reading. But the Enneagram is made up of nine different types. And so you do the test similar to an IM, uh, the MBTI and it will give you your type. Mm. And it often gives you the, one of the types that sits on either side of your type as well as your wing, which is kind of like, you know, this is your dominant um, personality, but sometimes you'll lean into this. Mm. So there's nine different types. The first I'll just give you kind of the, the the basic title. The first is considered the reformer. 
So they're, it's a, a rational, idealistic type. They're principled, they're purposeful, they're self-controlled, they're perfectionistic. Uh, the second type is considered the helper. Um, they're caring, um, they're an interpersonal type. So they're generous, they're people-pleasing, they're possessive at times. <laughs> um, the third is considered the achiever. Um, so this is they're success-oriented. They're pragmatic, um, so they're adaptive, they're excelling, they're driven, and they're obviously with that comes image-conscious. Um, number four is the individualist. So they're the sensitive and withdrawn type. Um, they're often expressive, dramatic, self-absorbed, and that means temperamental. <laughs> um, number five is considered the investigator. Um, they're the intense cerebral type. So they're perceptive, innovative, uh, secretive, and often because of that, they're isolated. Uh, number six is considered the loyalist. That is the committed security-oriented type. So they're engaging, responsible, anxious, and sometimes suspicious. The seven is the enthusiast. They're the busy, fun-loving type. They're spontaneous, versatile, distractible, and scattered. Uh, number eight is the challenger. So they're the powerful, dominating type, uh, self-confident, decisive, willful, and confrontational. And then number nine, the final one, is the peacemaker. And they're the easygoing, self-effacing type. So they're receptive, reassuring, agreeable, but can often be complacent. I feel like type eight is the one who would hate personality tests. Yeah, they probably would. Um, I actually did see something on the Enneagram and they often get people to write in different things that mm. are different types. And eight is the one that they never get anyone writing anything <laughs> in from because they well, want to challenge the whole that system. that is telling. Uh, and what... what are you an eight? What are you? No. So my my Enneagram type is a seven with an eight wing. Wow. So interestingly enough, my seven type is very similar to my Myers-Briggs. So the seven is the enthusiast. Um, also known as the entertaining optimist. Wow. Yeah, there you go. And, and my wing is the challenger. So mm. I'm an enthusiast, but I also do like sometimes... Um, challenging things and causing havoc. Again, havoc of my own making, please. Mm. Uh, what about you, Reese? What are you? Well, I've done it. I've done this a couple of times. The first time I did it, I was I was a three, which is the successful achiever. And then the other two times that I've done it, I both times came out with three with a four wing, mm. which and this explanation might be telling in and of itself. Which I call, I have my own name for the three with the four yeah, wing, yeah, yeah. and that is the cursed one, <laughs> <laughs> because. If you're a three, you just want to be admired and respected and achieve great things. But when you feel like you're doing that too much, you don't feel like you're being true to yourself, uh, which is the four wing. So you swing dilemma. back and you try to be a little more true to yourself and you try and be a bit more kind of um, less uh, focused on achieving great things in the world. Um, <laughs> but, then you, but then you go too far in that direction and you feel like you're not do, doing great things. Mm. So you swing back the other way. So it's like, it's the cycle of angst. That's where I live anyway. Uh, I don't know if that's probably not a good good describer. Like, don't don't quote me on that. Like, if you mm. go to the Enneagram website and you look up what the three with the four, four wing is, it's not going to say what I've just said. No, that's, but that's helpful. And that's, but that's part of yourself, your discovery mm. as you've gone through this, right? Is, yes. And, and I think the Enneagram is very helpful, particularly when it comes to things like relationships. Mm. I would say this for me, has been less helpful with work-based stuff and more yeah, helpful right. with a relational way of life. The reason I say that is because a lot of the Enneagram, particularly if you're looking at it from a Christian perspective, at its core is actually less about, um, you know, oh, these are the things I enjoy doing. It's actually more about the things that you fear 
or the insecurities mm. you hold most. And so the interesting in this um, Richard Raw book in particular that's about the Christian perspective on the Enneagram, what they talk often about is your greatest, the, the shadow side of mm. your personality type. So the seven, for example, my shadow side is, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm trying to kind of recollect how they put it, but it's essentially something along the lines of being tied down and being stuck in and, and having to deal with things that you don't enjoy, right? Mm. So for the seven, the shadow side is just avoiding suffering and pain mm. at any cost. And so I'll do anything I can to not be in a boring place or a place where I don't enjoy being. The two, for example, so Renee's a two. So we've mm. had lots of conversations about it. The two shadow side, is, yeah, the helper is the need to be needed. Mm. So they want to be needed and so part of the personality type that comes out then is actually wanting to help and serve but it's driven by this need to be needed so the type seven like I said for myself I love being enthusiastic but a lot of that is maybe because I I want to avoid pain and suffering Mm. at all costs and so I just move to the next fun thing and when things get hard you move to the next fun thing and so I think the Enneagram is really um, helpful in understanding some of those core insecurities as well because it helps you identify, okay, when am I just avoiding this yeah. this this thing as opposed to, you know, I don't know, just operating out of who I am. And, and the reality is, is that like that stuff's all like we all carry insecurities and they're always just below the surface. You probably mm. don't like mm. – they're not as evident when things are going swimmingly for you, but invariably they are there. And I'm I'm even sitting here like thinking about my – me being kind of a type three or a three with a four wing and I'm – and bit of paper in front of me says core fear mm. failing being incompetent yeah, well. exposed worthless or unable to appear successful as i'm sitting here like as you're talking i'm like i hope people think that i'm good i hope when they listen yeah, to this well, podcast yeah. they think they can they will admire me and and they will respect me you mm. know it's just it's just there it's always mm. there and that's not to say that um again that the type 3 is exactly me but but it's quite good at putting its finger on the things yeah. that are just there, things that you carry yeah, totally. with you, things that you have to reckon with very regularly. Yeah, yeah, and I think if we're if we're real, all of us have a a shadow side to mm. our lives. We have a key fear that actually drives a lot of the way that we live. And as I said, I think learning to use the enneagram as a tool to identify those things, mm. so that you can actually, like you said, put your finger on them and address them when. They're actually driving you to make decisions that aren't just, you know, your personality type, mm. but they're actually driven because, hey, I'm avoiding this situation and so I'm just doing this. Or, um, you know, there's all, all sorts of different ones. So for the type one who's who's this, you know, moral perfectionist, their core fear is about being wrong, mm. you know. So so when it boils down to it, I'll do, I'll live out my life with this personality and I'll, I'll make all these choices because I just never want to be wrong. Yeah. Like I want to be right. And so each one of the Enneagram types, whether it's the type eight or the type nine, like the peacemaker mm. or um, whatever it is, we, we all have these fears that drive a lot of the way that we live our lives. And so this one can be quite a confronting one, yeah. but I think it's, it's an extremely valuable tool. And as I mentioned, it's something that Renee and I have used even in our own marriage. And, you know, reading through the like the ways uh, a type two and a type seven relate to each other, mm. we've found is fascinating. It's quite entertaining and quite confronting because you're kind of like, ha that's us. And then you're like, oh my gosh, <laughs> uh, that's us. Uh, so we've found that to be really helpful because, for example, Renee is a 
a type two, mm. and I haven't got her permission to share all this, but let's fine. block out her name. <laughs> Person X. So she's a type two. She is um, the helper. So she she wants to be caring, and but but at, at its core, her fear is to kind of to be needed, and that's mm. that's common to type twos. My core fear is avoiding pain and not getting stuck in. Not you know avoiding the boring parts of life or the difficult parts of life, and so often she wants to you know um, lean into places of intimacy with me and, and be you know tied down and connected and and so you know we'll go to a cafe and sit there for ages and she'll be quite happy just to to be able to just stare at each other and I'm like how romantic well I I I feel like I'm getting tied down because I don't want to just be sitting in the same place and I'm like bouncing around like, can we go do something? (laughs) And so like even for us, right, like those dynamics are helpful to be able Mm. to articulate and go, so this is sometimes why I really struggle to, um, you know, just be present in moments. Mm. And these are the reasons sometimes you struggle to allow me to um, listen to a podcast whilst I'm doing the the dishes or something because for you that's me not being present. But for me Mm. that's… Help you know, so it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. it's giving language to to certain behaviors. Now that's that's not to say that you excuse all sorts of behaviors or you don't you know find mm. things that work well, but it actually really helps you articulate what's going on at a a deep core level for us to <laughs> kind of live the way that we do. Yeah, oh, it's so good, man. It's fascinating stuff. It I mean, is like it, it's it's not quite as extreme as you know, kind of. Um, you know, putting the ambulance at the top of the cliff as opposed to the bottom of the cliff, but mm. can certainly save you some some yeah. trouble if you're willing yeah. to do the work. You know, like yeah. especially in a relational kind of in a long term relationship. Yeah, setting. and I think yeah. these are these are like conversation again. They're tools, so they're conversation pieces and partners. Really, they're not they don't fix it for you. No, but they allow you to to do the work. Mm. Um, the question is, will we do the work right? And so there's a lot of people that they know what they are, they know what their partner is. For example, like if we're talking about spouse relationship, mm. but uh, we just, we, it yeah. just is what it is. I suppose is, the last it? thing you want to do is get so fixated on stuff like that that it becomes part of your spouse wish list. You know, it's like yeah. I want someone who's tall, smart, funny, bit bubbly, and an and ENFP. An Enneagram. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because that's, yeah. that's that's your, no, no. The the pond, the number, the pond <laughs> that you're trying to fish out of is very small. There might be one one fish in that pond. That's very the entire true. world. All right. What's next? Next Should cab we off do the rank. Strength Finder? Yeah, Strength Finder. I honestly I love Strength Finder. It's eh? good. Eh? Strength Strengths Finder or Strength Finders? Strengths Finder. Look, Google it. <laughs> <laughs> also known as <laughs> also known as. So this is um it's it's run by a company called Gallup. Mm-hmm. Um and the the kind of test we're talking about is Clifton Strengths or the Strengths Finder, it's just commonly known as. Yes. And as Reese mentioned earlier, essentially this is categorized into 34 different strengths, things, I guess, abilities or skills, would you say? 34 does kind of seem like an odd arbitrary number, but <laughs> maybe there are more. Maybe there's, maybe it's just going to be a list that grows. So let me just read out some of this because I think it's helpful. It's, it, what the Clifton Strengths Finder is designed to do is it says, you're uniquely powerful. Your distinct Clifton strength sets you apart from everyone else. This is your talent DNA. And so as you do the test, it shows that in rank order based on your responses to the test. Um, so the idea is that you use the report that's given to you to navigate and, and, and leverage the themes to maximize your potential. So to understand mm. what are the things that I'm really good at and if those are the things I'm really good at, what would it look like to spend my time doing those things? Mm. 
So what would it look like to rather than be working from the place that I'm weakest, but actually work from the place that I'm strongest? And I think this is a really yeah. valuable piece of learning to do because I think for a lot of our lives, we just, we, we're a bit of a jack of all trades, but we never actually. A generalist. Yeah. And so we never actually find out, well, what is, what, in, in, in the God sense, how has God wired me? What am I actually good at? Mm. Because I think God has made people strong at all sorts of different things. The problem is often we don't work within our strengths. We work from, I don't know, the weaknesses or we try and yeah, round and I, ourselves out. Like, yeah, and I suppose like the modern, so like the economic system that we live in doesn't kind of give people jobs based on their strength finders. It's like you're an accountant. But then how are you going to be mm. an accountant that potentially has their strength? One of their strengths is woo. Yeah, yeah You can yeah, certainly yeah, yeah. see how yeah. you could win others over as an accountant within a corporate setting. Yeah. You know, it could be a really great strength to have in that setting. Mm. And so I I found this interesting, right? And we'll go through our kind of our types and our strengths in a little bit. Um, I found this interesting because what I realized is, so when I moved over to Canada, I I kind of stepped out of ministry, went to go and study. I got a job at a cafe and I was just working as a barista. And what I found interesting was these strengths that I had, I had already identified them before I left, that I was using in ministry, I couldn't help but do them Mm. in the environment that I was in. So I began to realize it didn't matter what job I went to, whether I was working as a barista, whether I was working as a a pastor, whatever job I was going to do, these strengths ultimately would, if I was true to myself, would start to work out. And so I'm working in a cafe and I'm leaning into these strengths that I'm like, I can't help. It doesn't matter where I go, I can't help but do these things because Mm. I, I feel like it's, what I'm good at and it's mm. it's what I'm going to bring to any work environment. And so these are the kind of things that are not contained to one place of employment, but they're they're the things you're good at. Yeah. They're the yeah. things that you're strong at. They're the things that doesn't matter where you are, you're probably going to be strong at them. Um so they're broken down into four kind of yes. almost four quadrants, aren't they? Not quadrants, but four kind of groupings. Mm. Mm. So those four, the first one is executing. So themes that help you make things happen. Mm. <laughs> Interestingly enough, I don't have any of those in my <laughs> top five. I'm an ENFP, remember? <laughs> I don't get anything done. Um, the The next category is influencing, which uh, these are the kind of themes that help you take charge, speak up, and make sure others are heard. Um, then you've got relationship building. They're the ones that help you build strong relationships that hold teams together. And then lastly is strategic thinking. So it's mm. analyzing information and making better decisions. So there's 34 different strengths. Reese, what a are lot. your... What are your top five? Well, my what? top five. Here, yeah. here, here we go. My top five, and this is where like the some of them they come into play as to how I react to my top five. So it'll yep. make sense. But yep. my number one is deliberative. Deliberative. Yes. Is that a sorry? Is that an executing one or is that, that a deliberative? Is an executing strength. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so that uh, the deliberative strength is one I love. Mm. I love that one. But it's basically <laughs> kind of. Um, it's basically you I'm I'm exceptionally talented guys in taking serious care care and making decisions and choices. Hmm. Uh so that's my top one. Hmm. Uh next one is significance. Hmm. That's classic Enneagram 3. That's where they dovetail in. <laughs> Number 3 is input, it's basically like a quest and a thirst for knowledge and interesting things hmm. and taking in all the things around me and it's kind of almost like an insatiable Makes you a good appetite. podcaster. Yes. Number 4 is analytical making sense of all that stuff that comes in. Yep. And number five is competition. Oh. And this is where they all make sense to me because I think the competition thing, I look at my top five and I think, 
these all look very boring compared to the next person. Mm. They're not as significant as they should be. I'm going to learn more. And then I'm going to think about it, you know. So, so, so they they bounce off one oh, another. That makes perfect sense to me. But yeah, I do think they look a little boring. I would probably, funnily enough, I don't have any relationship building ones in there. Mm. It's not funny. It's probably plainly obvious to people around me. But oh, there I am. I'm uh, <laughs> there. I am. What about you? Um, yeah, my my. To- so I I've done the full test, and I found that interesting. As I said, you because got the you get you get your. Yeah, so you get your top five, uh, but you also get to see the order of all mm. of the the strengths. And so I found it quite helpful to know your top five, but also to know your bottom few mm. and be aware of those things. Not necessarily to to try and correct them and bump them up the the rung, mm. but like so that you're aware of those things. And you know what? If there's someone in an organization that can do that, have those things in their top five, well, maybe they should do that. Put that them thing. in a team together. Yeah, exactly. Exactly right. In fact, one of my bottom five is deliberative. Oh, you don't like the decisions, eh? Nah, someone else can make them. <laughs> no, no. Well, um, the, so the the criticism of deliberative is that you take too long to make a decision, uh, but you're very careful with those things. So yeah. So my my top five. Um, number one is strategic. Oh. Uh, which is funny because it makes I've gone full circle in life, and it makes sense why I studied what I studied initially. So I did like things like advertising, mm. um, communications degree. And I loved that part of it. Like I love trying to think of ways. Anyway, so it's gone full circle. Like I'm, yeah, so so it's all about creating alternative ways to proceed. Mm. So figuring out, um, faced with any given scenario, you can quickly spot the relevant patterns and issues. Mm. So you have, yeah, anyway. I, but I, I didn't know that when I was studying, mm. right? But I, there was parts of it that I really enjoyed. And now I like, I've learned this about myself and I'm like, oh, Ah, uh, yeah. Of okay. course. No wonder. No wonder. Um, my second one is Activator. Wow. Uh, which says you can make things happen by turning thoughts into action. You want to do uh, you want to do things now rather than simply talk You're about them. You're a starter. I'm a starter, but I You're don't. You're a founder. I don't like doing them. <laughs> so it's interesting. The Activator theme is actually in the influencing set of themes, not in the executing. Mm. So the Activator is about helping a team helping an organization turn thoughts into actions and, you know, making things get started and then potentially handing them on to someone yeah, yeah, yeah. to <laughs> carry them on. While, while you start something else. Yeah, it may be. Maybe. Um, number three is Maximizer, Ooh. which These is… These all sound very good. Yeah, Maximizer is a great word. Maximize. Maximize. Uh, it, says, it says you focus on strengths as a way to stimulate personal um, and group excellence. So you seek to transform something strong into something superb. So I've noticed this in myself and it can be often a real tension because when things are good, I don't like them. Hmm. I want them to be really good or very good as the Lord said. Oh. Um, uh, so so this, this can show up in certain ways because people are quite happy with how things are, but I'm like, oh, we can improve it. We can get it better. And so I have this desire to make good teams mm. better and average teams better and good. <laughs> bad teams better. Yeah. And so it can be a bit of a, a catch-22 at times because you never quite complete that. Mm. Um, so it can be a bit, little bit draining because you always feel like you're wanting to, yeah. to do more. There's always work to be done. Exactly. Uh, number four is ideation. Um, I mean, this is, I feel like I've, I, this is probably one that I did know about myself. You're fascinated by ideas and you're able to find connections between seemingly disparate 
phenomena. So in other words, you come up with all sorts of random rubbish. I think <laughs> my time uh, in youth ministry revealed that. Perfect. Uh, to be honest, also now even doing things like preaching and coming up with content Ran- random is like, rubbish. To- I mean, totally right. Like it's it's figuring out how to just randomly come up with an idea or generate. Mm. And anyway, so I'm definitely learning to leverage that strength and lean into that. And and my fifth strength um, is communication. So it says you find uh, you generally find it easy to put your thoughts into words. You're a good conversationalist and presenter. Um, and again, I I've probably realized as I've learned what my strengths are, actually shaping some of my job around my strengths and leaning into the things that I'm good at and sometimes avoiding the things I'm not as good at. Both of us have none in the relationship building Mm. category. (laughs) Yeah, and you know what? Personally, that's something that I've probably learned about myself Mm. the longer, the the older I get is that um, I feel like a lot of my strengths sit in the influencing and strategic thinking. So I'm good at helping groups move along mm. but I'm actually not honestly I'm not actually that good with one-on-one relationships it doesn't mean I'm I'm bad in relationships but uh, I don't think it's as much my strong suit as it is for a lot of people mm. so Renee for example she worked as uh, she was well, she's on maternity leave now but she was one of our youth pastors and so uh, four out of her top five were um, relationship building mm. And so she's so good sitting down, talking with people, helping develop them. Like for me, she's I got her finger on the pulse of yeah. her, her people. You and know? I thought that was amazing because mm. I'm like, that's awesome. But I can't do that. Like I really struggle to. And it's mm. not that you don't still do it. You don't still put the effort in. You, you, you just give it up. But it definitely wasn't a natural wiring. Yeah, yeah. And so it's something I've needed to work on and and kind of round up. Yeah, the, the, the implications for this in a team setting uh, – potentially kind of more real, not more real, but uh, they pop out immediately. Yes. Like if you look at, say you've got five people on your team Mm. and you have everyone is not in the relationship building thing, but you're in the business of managing a team of 100 volunteers. Yes. Then there's, that might be a big hole that potentially needs to not be plugged, but you need to be really aware of Mm. it. Mm. And that's kind of similar to kind of the case in the team that I work with most of us kind of sit in the executing or strategic thinking um, areas. But uh, we have someone we work with, Carol, who's just an amazing. Um, I think her top strength or one of them is connectedness. Mm. And it just mm. shows up everywhere. And it's whenever awesome, you're right? around Carol, you feel connected and you feel like you're part of something and you feel loved yeah, and awesome, welcomed. Yeah. And it's like, it's it's almost like when you, this one for me out of all of them in a group setting is kind mm. of the, the, the best, the mm. best one. Yeah, and, and I, I actually think as well, something like this, and again, this is a, a, a paid one, but I think it's a worthwhile thing because it's also really helpful. It sounds kind of, I don't know, if, I hope this sounds humble enough, but it's actually nice just being affirmed on the things that you're good at and yeah. having something say, no, these are actually the things that you're strong at. Um, now, of course, it's all comparative, right? It's compared yeah. to the, the other 34. But I think sometimes this can just be really helpful because as Christians, often we sit in a bit of a false humility and it's like, well, I'm not really good at anything or like, oh, yeah, I guess I'd do that. But, man, to actually be able to like to be liberated to go, these are the things that I'm actually strong at. Like, And if I'm going to be doing anything, mm. it should be probably some of these things. I think that's really freeing. And, yeah, this, this might be a bit, permit me a moment of editorial freedom. Yeah. But I have felt being someone who has strength in uh, um, significance 
and there's an Enneagram 3 and all of that type of stuff. I'm driven by achievement and all that mm. type of stuff. In Christian communi- community, I've almost felt like I need to apologize for that a little bit sometimes mm. because the 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 culture of not putting your head above the parapet too much because you don't want to seem to be kind of bragging or you don't mm. want to be kind of you've got to be humble or about yeah, your yeah. gifts and whatever yeah. is kind of it can be a bit of a a bit of a trip because you're kind of like but this is kind of this is where i this is this is all within my wheelhouse and you're telling me mm. i can't really or or i'm feeling like i can't be myself so and that's the so, thing is yeah. I, I feel like often the most humble thing you can do right is actually just be yourself mm. and if you're good at things go be good at them like i I think the last thing Jesus would do is show up and be like, oh, no, don't don't use the gifts I've given you. I mean, how many yeah. parables <laughs> true, do he tell true. you about? Like, <laughs> that's true. If you've got something, use it. Like, And that doesn't mean, again, you you let go of humility and you, mm. that means I am the be-all and end-all when it comes to this mm. strength or this skill. But like, why would we not use the things? And, and I actually think a lot of, for a lot of us as Christians, we actually just have a self-confidence problem. Yeah. I don't want to say that I'm good at this because what if someone's better? Yeah, well, someone's always going to be better, but it doesn't mm. mean you're not good at it, right? Mm. So I think sometimes it's helpful to just be affirmed that these are actually things that are unique to my DNA. And I, I kind of love that with the, the 34 strengths, right? Like you could do this and I guarantee there would be very, very, very few people that have the exact same mm. top five, let alone the same 34 mm. in order. Yeah. And so these are like like it says at the um, I mentioned earlier the this is like your um, your strengths DNA like it's your yeah. talent DNA so these are the things that you you're good at so like lean into them enjoy the fact that you're good at them you know it's also quite nice because when you view them visually it looks like a little DNA strand it does, yeah. it does. I'm like oh that's yeah, very nice. appreciate a good yeah. bit of design yeah what, what was that thing I mentioned before where I'm, oh yeah I like think good things to be better and yes yeah, so. yeah. so, um. <laughs> All right, last one. This is a bit of a fresh one for us. Yeah, but, it's a freshie. Um, been helpful as well. Uh, it's Patrick Lencioni and team. <laughs> uh, their working genius test. Yes. Um, should we talk about that one a little bit? Yes, let's. It's freshy, so I probably can't riff off it as much as I might the others, but I've got my report in front of me, so it tells me something. Mm, mm. And, and and like you said earlier, this one is really, it's it's similar, I guess, to the strengths finder it's a little bit more work based mm. and team based but the idea really is that um everyone carries an element of working genius the problem is we don't often own it as genius mm. there's only certain like pieces of work that we'd go oh that's a genius thing mm. but man like everyone has something that they're actually really good at and yep. they really bring to work um, and and by, so, by the same token, the frustrations as well. Yes. Everyone has something that just grinds their gears yes. about kind of work or what, what, what it is, certain aspects, maybe not the task, but certain aspects of yes. their work environment that frustrate them no end. Yeah. And I think this, is, this one's interesting as well because as we mentioned earlier, we could have the same strengths, the same personality type, the same Enneagram type and have d- the same task in front of us but approach them in completely mm. different ways because we find we're actually not yeah it's not our genius like we're working in areas that aren't aligned with the kind of thing that we want to be doing and so really the recommendation of their team is to to make sure that in your work environment you're actually able to spend a considerable time within areas of your working genius because if you spend all of your work week in areas of your working frustration, you are actually just going to struggle mm. because you're not going to enjoy what yeah. it is you're going to do. You're going to feel like you're 
um, constantly tired and exhausted. Whereas if you actually get to spend some time doing your work in G- and you know what, work is work. So there's always going to be moments where mm. you're doing stuff that maybe you're not as good at or you don't enjoy as much. But if you can prioritize, uh, I guess, operating from your working genius, mm. you're in a really good place. Yeah. So there's six types of this working genius carry on. Uh, no. Yeah, yeah. Shall we list them? Yeah, go they for are it. The genius of wonder, which is the gift of pondering the possibility of greater potential and opportunity in any given situation. Wonder. Mm. Uh, the next one is the gift of a uh, genius of invention. The gift of creating original and novel ideas and solutions. Mm. Next is genius of discernment. The gift of intuitively and instinctively evaluating ideas and situations. Mm. Then we have the genius of galvanizing. The gift of rallying, inspiring and organizing others to take action. The genius of enablement. The gift of providing encouragement and assistance for an idea or project. And finally, the genius of tenacity, which is the gift of pushing projects or tasks to completion to achieve results. And I've just noticed yes. that if you take the first letter oh, from go. all of these geniuses, it is an acronym for the word widget. That's correct. Wow. There you go. I'm blown away. <laughs> Acronyms, eh? Uh, look, even as you mentioned there, right, the genius of tenacity. I love that that's listed here because I personally, I struggle with that. And so people that are tenacious and can push projects and tasks to completion and just get results done. I genuinely look at that and I go, that is genius. Like mm. the problem is there's a lot of areas of work that we don't, we wouldn't associate with being genius. But man, when you work on a team. The ability with someone, to push something through. Oh my goodness. Like, because mm. I can't do that. Mm. And so I look at people like, I would say uh, on staff here at Review, Magdalene Wong, right? Mm. I would say she is a genius of tenacity. Mm. And I look at the work she does. I'm like, far out. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and I wish I had some ma- of the long term projects. Genius yeah. areas, but man, yeah. the, that's awesome. The like, list of long term projects that she's just like ticking off the list on her oh whiteboard and, and really man. heady, kind of intense stuff. I'm like, wow. Yeah, like it's amazing. Anyway, so <laughs> I have my areas of working genius <laughs> apparently, but I'm I'm jealous of other. What people. are they? What's your What are well, your areas of working here's genius? Here's the thing, right? Before we did this, I I had heard of some of these. I I listened to a couple of podcasts, read a couple of things about them. I actually thought that one of my areas of genius would be wonder, which is being able to ponder possible ideas. It wasn't though. I, and maybe that's because the work environment um, I've been in, particularly in the last couple of months, we've been, we probably haven't been doing as many brand new things. Mm. And so we've been considering, you know, how we could improve. So maybe I've been doing more of that, mm. but maybe that's not necessarily my genius. But interestingly enough, I feel like this so links in with some of the strength stuff and also the personality mm. things. So my working genius is, uh, in discernment and invention. So it's about being able to evaluate and assess ideas and plans and create original and new ideas mm. and plans and solutions. And so I feel like that's interesting because even my strengths finder is things like strategy mm. and improving things and being able to tell uh, pathways forward. Mm. And so I feel like my working genius probably realizing that that's, that's where I sit. Mm. Um, now, wonder was one of my competencies and so was galvanizing, being able to kind of rally the troops. My working frustrations, oh, here we not go. surprised to be honest, it's enablement tenacity. and tenacity. Oh, yeah. So it says, and this is just, you know, harsh, but it's, it's true. <laughs> you aren't naturally gifted at or you don't derive energy or joy from providing others with the encouragement and assistance for projects and ideas. 
nor are you naturally gifted or derive energy or joy from pushing projects and tasks through to completion. And so, you know what? Even before doing this, those bottom two, I probably could have picked because of the Mm. other tools that have helped me realize that I actually really struggle with um, completing things because mentally I've already checked out of those things once we've ideated and gotten there and I'm like, oh, cool, I've moved on to the next thing. Mm. Uh, but that means things get left undone. Mm. How about you? What, what are your Look, what are your if, working if I if I work from the bottom up, I probably would have picked that my working frustration is what it is, which is my likely areas of the, of frustration are galvanizing and enablement. So same mm. for you. Like I'm not naturally gifted at um, providing others with encouragement and assistance for projects <laughs> and ideas. Um, I'm painfully aware of that, um, and also not naturally gifted at. Um, or derive energy and joy from rallying people or inspiring them to take action around a project or a task. Mm. Um, <coughs> excuse me. My working, my likely areas of working competency, which is again kind of the neither here nor there, uh, tenacity. Like I can follow through on something, I can mm. grip my teeth and kind of lean against a problem really hard and see it through. But it's kind of neither here nor there. Mm. Um, and invention. I don't mind creating original and novel ideas and solutions. My likely areas of working genius mm. are. Another drum roll. Uh, wonder and discernment. Yeah, right. So I'm like I can definitely see the wonder. Like mm. that's yeah. Well, it does. It does connect a few other dots for me. Yeah, so yeah. I, if, if we if we go back to the INTP Myers Briggs type stuff, there's a lot of talk about INTPs um, uh, conceptualizing and dealing in the abstract and taking concrete stuff into the abstract to be able to understand it and ponder and then bringing it back down again Mm. into real world settings. Mm. And I think that kind of is another way of looking at that for me in terms of wonder, pondering the possibility of seeing greater potential and opportunity Mm. Mm. and also using intuition and instincts to evaluate and assess ideas um, and plans. But I I think I like, I I spend a lot of time thinking about intangibles, things that are hard to grasp and kind of um, abstract thoughts and, and possibilities. Philosophies and, and theologies. Yeah, or potentially just kind of, uh, like I, I wouldn't call myself like a, a, like I just like stuff that's kind of almost hard to grasp. You're a cerebral guy. Yeah, yeah. Although I do, but but then that's that's the, the thing, like because I find with all of this, if I take all of my personality types together, mm. you could say, one could make a case for me being quite a cerebral person. But for me, the cerebral stuff that I think about is super visceral. Hmm. It's very like real and means a lot, yeah. and and yeah. I feel it very deeply. Even though I, you'd say I'm a thinker, yeah, yeah, I yeah, almost yeah. can yeah. get like a physical reaction when I'm thinking in the abstract about stuff. Mm. So that's potentially a long way or or, or a different way of saying when you put them all together yeah, and you yeah. take the time to do the work, you can discover things that you may never have figured out had you not done yeah. the stuff. Like I would have just thought that I spend most of my time daydreaming. You know, but really, I'm actually kind yeah, of, yeah. Um, you know, leaning into your strengths. Wow, well, maybe, maybe. Yeah. There you go. So there you go. Worthwhile, eh? Oh yeah, hundred percent. And you're all right. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> well, and that's another bugbear. Like another bugbear of mine is the amount of time I've sat listening to people tell me, "Oh, you're broken. You're just <laughs> you're a sinner, or you've this, that, and the other thing. You just need blah blah blah." And I'm like, man. <laughs> I, I, I thought I was at least all right. I think you're all right. And, you know, like kind of doing some of this work, yeah, there are pitfalls to, to learning about yourself. You have foibles. You have things that are not, <laughs> that maybe need some work, but you also have to, like areas of genius and mm. amazing strength and competency and things that 
the world needs. Mm. And so mm. I, through doing all of this, I'm like, yeah, I'm okay. I think I'm okay. Yeah, and I, I feel like this is where you'd insert that um, kind of cringy but inspiring quote where someone says something like, hmm, be yourself. Everyone else is taken. Oh, wow. I see what you did there. Yeah. But you know what? Like whilst that's a bit cringy, is actually true. And I mm. think that's what some of these tools can help with is actually identifying who you are. And then, man, like own it. Mm. You, I, I genuinely believe that God's created each one of us for a reason and with specific purpose and he's wired us a certain way. And so I think it's actually being faithful to him to understand the way that he's mm. wired you. Now that does not look like not taking responsibility for mm. the the busted wiring and mm. the, <laughs> the stuff that you'd need to work out. Like, of course do that. But man, like help understanding the way that you think and the way that you see the world, I think is one of the most helpful mm. things you can do. And it is the kind of advice I would give to my younger self. Mm. Discover you earlier. Learn a bit more about the things that you uh, enjoy, your, you know, your common tendencies and all of that. Because I think it's just so worthwhile, hey? 100%. Well, there you go. How's that? Discovered us. Wow. And all it took was an hour and change. <laughs> <laughs> well, until next time. See ya. Everybody in here that's on the verge of a breakthrough. Give God a rain dance right now!